Verse 11. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew, Lot, and all his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedorlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Ashava, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamri. Let them have their share. Lord, thank you for your word. And uh, goodness, Lord, um, speak to us through the life of Abram today. Um, I pray that we could find incredible encouragement, Lord, and and be encouraged as your people and and be instructed from the things that you have written um, for us. Uh, All that could be preserved in history, Lord, the the books could just be so lengthy, Lord. The writings could be uh, just innumerable. Um, But you've given us this, your word, and so we ask, um, may we be hearers of the word and, and doers as well. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you guys for reading that. It's, it's such a blessing to, to hear uh, people. I, I, it just helps me to be standing right there and, and hear God's word being read. Uh, again, if, if there is a little section in, in the bulletin there for sermon notes, and, and uh, ah, the pins are getting so much closer every week. I think they're in the back of my car right now. Uh, the extra pins. And so there's this progression of, of, of a new stocking of pins uh, coming uh, to, to church again here soon. Uh, but if, if there are some right behind in those, those little tables right in the back row there. 
Hey, where are we headed with this guy named Abram? Where are we headed? The reason why I want to bring that up is, is because he's the father of faith, right? He gets this title. Maybe you haven't even heard about the guy before. And so I want to encourage you to read those uh, uh, the teen chapters in the book of Genesis and follow this story. It's really an amazing story. Uh, before the, the handoff ends up going to Isaac and other people, there's a, there's a short uh, amount of text there that can really tell us a lot about uh, the life of this guy, uh, Abraham, who at this point is still named Abram. But let me just give you a little snapshot of where we're headed with this guy. Uh, it's in your notes there, Romans 14. This is what it's going to say about Abram, Abraham in his, I guess we could call it his prime uh, th- this is this is the guy who's uh, the seasoned veteran we're about to read about. And this is the, the one in whom the reason why he'd be called the father of our faith. And I want us to get this picture of this really amazing guy so that today when we're looking at him in the process, uh, we can have have a goal here. I think I said last week, you know, sometimes when we look to the life of Jesus, of course, we see this incredible perfection and, and it calls us to, to long to be like him and uh, allow that transformation to happen in our life. And, and we, we want to we know our Lord and we want to be like him, right? Amen? Uh, at that service the other day, I got up to, to share about this person and I uh, was thinking of Paul's words. It's kind of an impromptu thing that sometimes happens at memorial services and I was thinking of when uh, Paul said, and it may, you might not be familiar with this, but, but Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, follow my example as I follow Christ. And I've always been puzzled at that passage because I, I think, wow, would I, would I be able to say that? You know, I, I often say to my kids, hey, uh, let's, let's exploit dad's mistake here for a little bit and try and learn from it, Right. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, doesn't that seem more familiar where you just go, hey, let's analyze my goof up right now so that we can learn from it. You know, family, come together, let's have some time. But I, I don't find myself saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. But, but, but Paul was that kind of a guy, of course. And, and I think Abraham, uh, if, if, we could, uh, if we could ask him, he would, he would be... Uh, maybe not say that with his own with his own words, but but we could look at him and go, wow, I'm, I'm going to follow this guy's example as he follows God. And, and he, here's why. Let's look at Romans uh, 4, 18 through 25. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. These words, it was credited to him, were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. 
For us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I love that. Against all hope, Abraham hoped. And, and without weakening in faith, he, he just considered God's promise. That's the guy that we look back to and go, wow, we're not there yet. But I just want to give us that flavor of this is who he's becoming. And it's not in your notes today, but let me remind you, you're becoming someone more mature in Christ. Every day, as you would just submit your life to the Lord and say, have your way in me, and you'd walk in obedience to his word and walk in the love that he called you to love in, God's changing you. You're maturing. And there's setbacks, of course, right? And sometimes we we look at those things and, and we just go, man, Lord, God's faithful, right? God is faithful. You might not know this passage and it's not in your notes. I'm just on a little tangent here right now. But Scripture says that He is faithful even when we are faithless. Because He cannot deny Himself. The Bible says. So God will continue to be faithful in your life, growing you to maturity, even if he has to deal with your unfaithfulness. He's faithful to get in there and and break that in you and develop you into a new person. And, And so we're seeing that, of course, and I'm giving you these glimpses of Abraham. Here's one more. It's from Hebrews chapter 11. It's not there in your notes, but Hebrews chapter 11, you can write it down, verses 17 through 19. Another little snippet about the Abraham that is going to be, that is in this process right now. But this is the guy, you know, in, in his mature state. It says, this says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises, it's still speaking of him, but it's going to expand that and say, man, if you don't know the story, it wasn't just that he offered up Isaac or he went to, to be obedient to, to do that. But, but rather, it's so much more than that, right? This is the guy, this kid that he was offering, had, that was the one that he had received as the promise. And this act of offering up his only son was It was the one in whom it was said through Isaac will be this blessing. This is this is where I'm going to work through this this little kid. This is the promised one that's going to keep on the lineage. And now God's off asking him to offer him up. And here's what Abraham did. He said he considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead. From which figuratively speaking, he received him back. And and I'm tempted to go into that stuff and talk about it this morning. Uh, so I set myself up with a funny little preaching trap here. Uh, but I just wanted to give you a picture of where Abraham's going. And so we come in our notes, there's just blanks here. Today is, we're still talking about Abram. His name hasn't changed yet. God hasn't given him that new name. But today, we're talking about him in the process. Write that down, process. This life of faith is a 
journey, a development unto maturity. So the, the three words that you'd put down there that I, I really want you to take home, that's why we have blanks, right? And notes. <laughs> it does keep me on track, though, too, I guess. Um, but it's so that we just kind of solidify some of that stuff in our mind. But again, today we're looking at the guy in process. And as I stand up here, we we should take turns standing up here this morning looking out. Because you'd come up here and and you'd read this. These people in the process. These people are in a journey. And maybe I could have put a mirror right here so you could see yourself and remind you that you're part of that crew. But I get the privilege of looking out over you and, and say anew, you're people that are in process, right? Through the grace of God, that God's maturing you. He's developing you unto maturity. And, and the interesting part, it, it's yet always maturing. Maybe you need to circle that, <laughs> okay? Because, uh, well, if you think you've arrived, you obviously haven't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> right? Those of us, we, we kind of know that. Um, but, but maybe we need to be reminded of that, that it is this constant uh, growth until that day, of course, where we stand before the Lord. Um, I'm seeing the educators out here one at a time. You know, the seminary I went to, one of the, or the, the one I finished at at least, uh, one of their, uh, kind of their, their, um, their ethos, their their mission statement, whatever, was was that we become lifelong learners. That was A.W. Tozer's heart. The guy, the, the seminary is named after him, and he never finished seminary. He had no formal education ever. But he was this amazing preacher and wrote incredible commentaries and was a self-taught man in incredible ways. Like his education, that really wasn't, formal was way beyond anything that I've had formally. But his, the, uh, trying to model the school after him, they just were like, what his life uh, represents is this attitude of lifelong learning. And so Christian, I, I want to encourage you, there's a lifelong growth in maturity. It's this lifelong process that you're in. And you might ask, well, why are we throwing that? Are we reading into that text maybe? Are we saying more about it? And, and let me just encourage you again. Romans 15.4, I think, is a, is a great verse to uh, almost uh, see it like a lens to look back in the Old Testament. It says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And it's just this random thought that Paul throws in. He's been talking about being uh, serving other people. He's talking about serving other people. And then he says, you know what? Jesus himself came into the world not to be served, but to serve. And then he says, just as it's written, and, and, he, and he shares something about our reproaches falling upon Jesus. He, he's kind of on this tangential thought of, of talking about how, how Jesus literally bore our reproaches himself, but that's how he ultimately served, was to take the sins of the world upon himself. And, it, and it's just in a sentence that he throws that in, and he says, you know, in fact, everything that was written in the past was written for us and for our instruction. And it's just interesting, this flow of thought. He's trying to talk about service, 
He says, Jesus is the amazing servant, just as it was written about him. And oh, by the way, the things that were written were written for us. And so that's the lens that we look back to. And so when we look back to Abram, we see this guy in process. He's in this process of growing in faith. He's in this process of growing in trust. He's in this process of growing and actually taking action in his life. Now, those aren't there in your notes, but here's here's three that, that are. First one is act redemptively in the world. And because of communion today, I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase, even though I probably just burnt like 15 minutes. I want to cut to the chase of application here this morning. Did you hear that part when, when it just said, you know, Lot was, Kyle read it, Lot was kind of gathered up with the kings, you know, that, that came and warred and took off all the plunder of Sodom. And then when Linda was reading, it's like Abram's response. Grabs all his dudes, his trained men. He goes to battle to get Lot. I just go, wow, that's awesome. Good for you, Abram. I, I would have sent him a memo that said, you made your bed, lay in it. <laughs> or nephew, how many times have I tried to tell you to not do things the way you do? And you could have hung with me, but no, you wanted your own turf. And there's all these things that happened, and now look at you. Um, <laughs> I think I, I tend to do that because uh, I, I personally have struggled with a lot of stuff myself. And so... But usually what happens is, is you know, when, we're, when I, I get with people, I just go, hey, by the way, I, I, I've made this similar mistake in my life. And I, I just, oh, do you want to give them a hug and just go, I've, when I was in my 30s, I did the same dumb thing. And when I was in my 20s, you know, and you know that feeling, right? And, and we don't see Abram doing that. We see him acting redemptively in the world. Think about it. Abram was willing to go to war for the sake of his nephew Lot. We really don't know that much about Abram yet. And we sure don't know a whole lot about Lot yet. But we can see something admirable there. That... He's really willing to go to incredible ends to, to, to free his nephew. Ephesians 2 talks about us as being God's workmanship. Here's what it says. It says we are his workmanship. That's the Lord's created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And how many of us know that some of those works are battles for other people? That we, uh, in, in some ways, have to almost like wage war for the freedom that needs to happen in other people's lives. God prepared you, church and individual, to be His workmanship, to do good works. So act redemptively in the world and keep on acting that way because I know that you are and, and I, I want to encourage you in that. Jesus said it this way, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Love that. And it's not so they can go, wow, that a, that a boy. And we see that in Abram's story, man. It wasn't about him. It's like, oh, this is a great chance for me to test out my military prowess. You know, like, I, let's, uh, I, I love a good fight, Abram might say. No, it was like, I've got to go rescue Lot, the knucklehead, whatever, but let's go. And so let us act redemptively in the world. And, and on this topic of war and effort, Listen to what Paul says. He says, he says, for though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. Ah, and this is 2 Corinthians something, something. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I have it right here. I was like, hey, hey, write the text down. But, but just listen to God's word. For though we live as human beings, we don't wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for the tearing down of strongholds. God's given us the ability to speak His Word into other people's life. He's given us the ability to pray for other people. He's, he's given us the ability just maybe to listen to them. There's these spiritual tools that we have where we go with other people and we walk with them and we do battle for their lives. You know, sometimes God will even call us to, to skip a meal, to uh, take some time to just get before God for somebody else. In whatever way that you know how to right now, be willing to do that. Um, I, I didn't make it last night, Saturday night. Like I said, I was, I was in Reno, and and uh, but I know. I, I think did you show that video, Kyle? Did you guys did? Okay, well, Kyle had sent it to me just so that I'd, I'd see what was going on. And it, it was this incredible video of this this young athlete. I probably should know who the guy is, but I don't. But just muscles, and it just shows him training and training and training. And there's this. The speaker in the background, this motivational speaker who's just just calling out the people that are watching this to to really make effort. And and the whole thing is really cool. It's very inspiring. But it, it caused them like different things to well up in me. Like like I was like, man, Lord, what is that for me? Like as a pastor, like what does that look like? What does that look like for us as Christian people? Because sometimes athletics is is it's like. Man, train, train. And this, this guy's doing these push-up crawls across the floor with dumbbells. Like if they're push-ups, they're one-arm push-ups with these giant things. It's like he was green. No, he wasn't green. But um, it, it's just it's like the watching the Hulk or something and working out. And and so I was just kind of wrestling with it, going, man, Lord, what is that for me? And and I and I came back to my one of my favorite texts. It's in Colossians three. 3 verse 12, and it says about this guy named Epaphras. And it says, Epaphras is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. And in parentheses it could say, he's going to know that he's going to end up in every other one of Mark's sermons someday. No, uh, 
uh, just says, I love this next part. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just open up a letter. This is a letter from Paul to a people group in a Colossae. And, and right, so he writes and he says, hey, I just want you to know there's this guy praying for you. Wrestling in prayer that you stand firm in God's will, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and those at Laodicea and Heropolis. And, and there it was. I was like, wow, there it is, at least for me. That's what I can do to, to be that trained person. And I don't know what it is for you. You know, a lot of you, it's, it's cooking meals. Uh, you know, it's, it's in your vocation where you shine there. And you're, a, you're a leader there. You're a, you're a Christ-like example there. Or in your home, wherever it is. I, I don't necessarily know what it means for you. But just, just hear this. Church, keep on. Keep on acting redemptively out there. We see it in Abram's life. Next thing, he gave glory to God. Uh, and so I, I would encourage you, give glory to God as you trust in His provision and direction. Now what we saw in this was His willingness to accept Melchizedek's offer or His blessing. And by the way, there's like five different ways of saying that guy's name. Um, <laughs> and so I, I just every time I say it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's one of the five. Uh <laughs> But then, it's, I want you to see a total contrast there, at least right now in Abram, that whoever Melchizedek is, he's like, you're, you're the guy, you're part of the system of following God Most High. Here's, here's a tent. Like, it's this directional thing, and it's written totally in contrast to the king of, of Sodom, where Abram's like, no, actually, I don't, you know, here, take all the stuff because I don't actually need you ever thinking that what you've done for me or, you know, it's this system, this belief, this is what's blessing me, not this is a mess over here. And so he he moves away from it. And and what we're seeing in his life is this ability to begin to grow in giving glory to God and trusting in his provision and direction. He's still not there yet. If you remember last week, uh, you know, he went to one town and he lies about his wife, says that he's, she's her sister because she's beautiful. And you can see him taking things into his own hand. And we're going to read more about that. There's more events in this guy's life where he takes it totally into his own hand. And again, the encouragement there to all of us is that we, we tend to do that and we can stumble along. And so we can at least look to this guy and go, Wow, help me to learn from your mistakes. Goodness, I'm just like that. But here, right now, we're seeing him begin to just grow in this, giving glory to God as he trusts in his provision and direction. This, this is the first like step in, in what Paul kind of put, he's going to put it this way. Paul says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage 
that I might gain Christ. There's the mature side of that. Paul going, whatever it is, I want to gain Christ. And we're starting to see that just grow a little bit in Abram's life. So let me just encourage you. Hey, in this journey, do that. Be that person that's just giving glory to God as you're trusting in His provision and direction. Sometimes that just that little statement, you could just wake up with that and go, Lord, I don't know what to do today. And I, you know, life is tough right now, but I'm just going to give you glory as I trust in your provision and direction. I'm going to do it just like Abram did. And, and just that he would be inclined this way, I think, is, is really what's captured right there in that part of the story. At least a little bit. There's so much more I could say about it. Um. The next thing is do all this as you live in communion with the Lord Jesus. How how did I get there from Abram? (laughs) Well, I don't have time to tell you. You just got to trust me. No. Um, (laughs) Hey, without going into full details on uh, Melchizedek, um, it's like the more I read about this guy this week, the more I realize there's all these different opinions and, and, uh, but the one that I, I tend to want to land on is, is just is kind of like the base no matter what. The, the base no matter what of this guy's life is that he is a, a foreshadowing of Jesus. He is a, a pre-picturing, if you would, a forerunner, a, a type of, of who uh, Christ would be. And, and, I, and I really honestly think that this guy appears in the situation more as we would look back to him than anyone would have understood who he was then. You could make the argument that he was just a king of Salem, probably was a, the, the king, the ruling king, perhaps even in Jerusalem before it becomes the Jerusalem that we understand. Uh, but but all, all that really to say that if you read the New Testament, if you, you pick up on the Psalms, at the very least, as believers, we're to see this guy as a pre-picturing of who Jesus is. And so Abraham is hanging out with him. Now, some people accuse us for reading too deep into stuff. Like, oh, you Christians always read all your stuff back into the Old Testament. But I tell you what, when three guys show up to talk to Abraham and he calls them Lord, I mean, do you not go, I'm trying not to read into that, but is there any kind of Trinitarian reference there? I I mean, I just feel that flavor at the very least. And then how about when Abraham, Abraham now is offering up Isaac and Isaac's like, man, hey, there's the wood, there's all the stuff, where's the offering? And Abram's like, God will provide the offering. And he's putting his own son down there. And then the ram is caught in the thicket. And God provides the offering. I mean, as a Christian, you would not need to apologize for reading back in that and going, wow, look, God provides the sacrifice. No wonder John goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so, looking at Melchizedek, we go... There's this picture of Christ there. Abram doesn't fully get it. He just goes, man, this is priest of God most high. And he's come out to bless me. 
And I receive that. Look at that in contrast to the other guy. No, thanks. Here, bro, here's all this stuff. You're good. I'm good. Peace out. You know, that was the other thing with the other guy um, in the modern translation. But with this guy, Melchizedek, he has a sacred meal with him. And we're about to have that together this morning, the bread and the wine. And so Abraham communes there. And I want us to see that as part of this journey unto maturity as you and me communing with Christ. Let's look at it really quick. His life. How do I want you to commune with his life? The things he said, the things he did, the way he showed the heart of the Father and the way he modeled living in obedience to the Father. Just contemplate on those things today. I need to live in communion to his life. Not, not just his resurrected life, but his life that was, was laid out in the pages of Scripture. God, may I be like you. Now, just remember when we talk about being Christ-like, is, is, is it perfectly attainable? No, right? Because he's amazingly other than you are. But there are those aspects of his life that we plug in. I'd love to go into a lot of them. Just circle that. How am I communing with his life that he lived on earth? The example there. That's really what I'm asking you. Is, is are you walking in relationship to that life that he did live? And we'll get to the life he lives now in a second. But the next part is his death. How do I commune with him in his death? First of all, I just ask you to see it like like you're starting to see it in Abram. He's beginning to die to himself. You know, that act of going, here's a tenth of the spoils. I'm willing to go into battle for Lot. And here, no, I just don't want to be attached to you. But So I'm just going to give all this stuff away. And that's some incredible dying to self right there, I think, modeled in the pages of Scripture. Paul said this, man, we're pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Here's what he said about being a Christian. We're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of him might be revealed in us. You know, Christian, remember that that this life is also about death, dying daily. And I and I. And I know that's an easy thing to say, but we get a little picture of it in Abram's life. Willing to go into battle. Willing to get out of his comfort zone. Willing to not be attached to... I mean, it's been so easy to go, hey, King of Sodom, get lost. I am going to take it all, and I am going to keep all the people. And thank you very much for actually not helping me in the whole situation. I'm good. You kind of handle your own thing. He could have done that, but he just separated himself from the whole thing. And, and I, I see a dying to self in that. And then, of course, the offering of the tithe. He literally walks away with a thing with just Lot and that crew that he got. And, and kept it simple. Died to himself in it. And then the last one is living in communion to Christ's resurrection. Glorious power is available to the Christian through the resurrected life of Jesus. 
And I, I don't want to apologize for that. I, I know sometimes it hits us in the wrong place sometimes. You know, I, I was talking to a friend this week. I know struggling, hard times in life. And, and actually multiplied maybe five times I had this similar conversation with different people. And, and it, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't want to be that dumb guy that's going, but the power of Jesus can change you. You know, I'm a preacher across the table in the restaurant. And they're like, this is not what I need. Is Mark with too many cups of coffee in him. And he just can't help but exude like God's going to fix everything for you. And I was like telling myself, dude, you do not need to be a fix-it person in that person's life. But oh, oh, the power of the resurrection, though. There is power available for you to live in. And I want you to know about that. God loves you and there's a power of his resurrected life that's available to you even in your junk, even in your brokenness, even in your pain, even in the things that other people have done against you, God is there for you in a way of power. And the power is not just to have you endure the Gumby machine, you know? That's what I call it, where you're just being stretched and stretched and stretched. And, and you know, some of us want to come up and flick you to see if you go, you know? <laughs> But we don't out of compassion, right? Um, but sometimes we just, we don't know how to say. We don't, because we don't want to belittle your situation. We don't want to, we just don't know how to say there's power still available. And so let's come full circle. Maybe, maybe we don't speak those things. We just have to live those things. Right, let's come all the way back to Abraham being willing to act redemptively in the world. And a lot of the conversations I was in this week was like, don't say anymore, Mark. Go home and act redemptively on your knees for those people that that resurrected power of Christ would be known by them. You know it's available to them, Pastor, and you want to remind them of that, but but go home and just pray that for them. And so, Lord, we do pray that right now. That, uh, God, you just help us come full circle and act redemptively in the world as best as we can. Lord, to just trust you with, with life. Um, but, Lord, I just, just sense this invitation to all of us anew to to just relate to your life, your death, and your resurrection in, in a new way. Just to, gosh, be like Abraham and just be turned in that direction. If, if there's anything in the story that I get, it's just that in the end of all this, he's turned towards you favorably. And Lord, just, just help us begin right there, begin today and head that direction. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.